0: Good morning. Let me thank you for singing. That's um, encouraging to me. I, I don't know. I think my answer, unfortunately, probably for you guys leading singing is no, I've not sang enough yet, but uh, I understand and I appreciate very much um, getting up here and uh, you you got more guts than me, Josh. There's some of those that have been like, well, not doing that one today, but uh, I appreciate you and it sounded good to me where I was sitting. So thank you for doing those. I love love those songs, need to sing them more often, and and certainly the verses that we don't sing all the time, um, that one about uh, the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression will cease. I've fallen in love with that that verse over the last few years, and uh, it's so true. Um, It's important. You know, perspective is such a big deal, right? How we perceive things, and how we come to things, and so much about the Bible is about perception. Today's uh, day for the, the Jesse tree is is Jonah, I believe. that That's the one on the 17th. And, you know, Jonah's perspective is really the point of the whole book about Jonah. You know, we get caught up in, in the big fish and whether or not all that is true and accurate and, you know, how did that all work when really if you missed the point of perspective, right, like, He believed with everything to the point that he wished death on himself at least twice that I would rather die than see these Ninevites come to know the Lord. I want to die. I hate them. They don't deserve, and there's the key word, they don't deserve the mercy of God. And if you look back at the Ninevites and you go through their history, many of us would come to the same conclusion, like... They are terrible people. They are awful people. They deserve the punishment of God, right? And we can, we can harp and we can find people today. We can see that in, in people all around us. But what is the, that song we just sang, right? The slave is our brother. The, the person who is sinning, the person who is messing up, the person who has fallen short of the glory of God. And if you remember the context of that there in Romans, he says that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so the interesting thing about Jonah is that at the end, the Ninevites come to, and even their cows, if you read the text, come to repent in the sight of the Lord, and Jonah is incensed. I knew that you were a forgiving God, and this would be the case if I preached, and that's why I didn't want to come. And so they've switched positions. In the Gospels, Jesus references the sign of Jonah. And we recognize it as the three days in the fish and the three days in the tomb. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's also another aspect of the story of Jonah that Jesus wants these Jews to understand. And he says it in other places, and it goes like this. I've come to seek and save that which is lost. And see, there's where perspective is important. And that's what he's talking about. I'm here in other places. I'm the great physician, and I've come to heal those who are sick. (sighs) Are you sick? There's a lot of that going around today, right? And I'm going to tell you with all of my heart, I just kind of think that if I think I'm healthy, then I won't get sick. And if I think hard enough, and if I do all these things and take all these vitamins, even though I'm surrounded by kids all day, right? That I won't get sick if I really think hard, or even if I am sick, if I just ignore it as long as possible, then maybe, just maybe, I'm not sick. And see, what Jesus came to remind us is that the slave is our brother. We're all sick, we're all in need of this great physician, we're all lost without him. He brings this great light and he says, I want you to see things the way that God sees them. And instead of looking at us and going, what a bunch of lost whatever, fill in the blank. Why would I have anything to do with those people? And if you're like me, that phrase has come out of my mouth. Why would I have anything to do with those people? And all my reasoning fill in the blank as to why I shouldn't. And instead of doing that, he came and plunged his hands into the filth (laughs) that is Travis Creasy's life. Some of it my fault, some of it maybe not. And while I was sinking deep in sin, he pulled me out. He pulled me out. And simply, it's kind of the situation Peter finds himself in. Peter looks around him, takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink and Jesus, in my mind, plunges his hand into the water. But it's up to Peter to grab hold. It's up to him. It's really the only choice that you think about. I believe in free will, but ultimately we that's the free will choice. Do I accept what he has done? As impossible as it may seem. Right, It seems impossible. And there are points, I think, where Jesus wants us to come to that. This is impossible for me to do. It's impossible for me to accomplish this. If you read, and we'll be back in that the next time I get a little longer period, we'll be back in the Sermon on the Mount. And there's so much of the Sermon on the Mount that I read and I go, that's impossible, Jesus. I can't do that. I can't get my mind right to think that way and that's half of the equation. No, I don't understand everything that God does. And to some degree, that's on purpose, because the key to it all, we would say by faith. The Bible says by faith, but you can also translate that as trust. Who do you trust today? Right, there are gifts under my tree, and sure, I go to work and I make money so that we can buy those gifts. You don't want me going and getting them, right? There's somebody else in here that also works to make money to buy those gifts, who then takes time to go and get them and wrap them. If it came down to me, that would not be the case. And if it did, it wouldn't be pretty to begin with. And so there's this trust that we accept here. We trust that even when we don't understand why things happen the way they happen, And we've lost some some great things with this school this week. Some great human beings from a human being standpoint, right? Who've done tremendous things. And I've mourned this week. I've hurt two, two men who have impacted me spiritually in a way that is immeasurable. That I can't even possibly begin to fathom what all they've shown me in their life. But I'm not down about that it's not something where i'm like oh man i'm rejoiced that they're rejoicing but it's a challenge it's an encouragement it's a motivation like hey there are shoes to fill and i don't think in some ways we can do that but buddy i want to be found trying i want to do for others what those people did why why did they do for others because jesus did Because Jesus saw something in us that so often when we look in the mirror, I'm telling on myself, I don't see in me. I don't see the value. But Genesis 1-1, the very first verse in that whole chapter of creation, tells me that a creator created me with value, purpose, and meaning. As much as we scramble around for justice in this earth and we should totally do that, we should have a justice system, we should hold it accountable, I also trust that all oppression shall cease in the name of Jesus. And that one day, he's going to make everything right. Whether that's what we hope today, we come to accept and trust Jesus and see that hand plunging into the mire and we we choose to grab hold with all of our might and hold on to Him as though there is nothing else because there is nothing else. Are all those people who do evil in the world will be held accountable one way or another? And so what we want today is for you to be encouraged to take His hand, precious Lord, and to walk with Him even when it doesn't seem clear as the outcome might be. So today, if there's any way that we can encourage you, some of you in here have been Christians longer than I've been alive, and that's a great encouragement to me, and that's awesome. And keep on going because we need you to. Some of you may be younger than me, and you may be looking at me going, man, that guy still has no clue, and I'd go, amen. There are a lot of things that I don't understand. I've got a buddy who, who texts me these big, long theological questions, and I'm like, first of all, it's a text. I'm limited in, in how I can respond to this. But I'm thankful that he sends them, right? Because there's some acknowledgement there that at least we're all in the same boat somehow. Could you shed a little light? And, and sometimes I try and sometimes I'm like, I don't even know where to start, man. Or maybe you're like sitting there going, I don't buy any of this. And I, I don't see why I should. You can still be encouraged today to trust a little bit more Pick up that little breadcrumb that might be leading you in this direction. And it really does come down to trusting Him. I don't know what circumstance you're in. I know there are people here who've lost loved ones. Presently in just a few days or maybe for years. And I know that Jesus knows you. And He knows where you're at. And He's just as present now as He was before. And so if nothing else, you're like, man, he gets to rambling on. I'll stop with this. Trust him. Trust him more today in this moment than you did just a few moments ago. And you'll be closer to the kingdom than you've ever been. There's a way that we can encourage you one way or the other uh, in your walk with Jesus, whether it's something physical. Maybe you just need a hug. Hey, I've been there, right? I've needed several hugs this week. Maybe that's as simple as it goes, Or maybe it seems like something that's just insurmountable. Maybe it feels like a mountain. Jesus speaks to that too. He, he's the mover of mountains. So if we can be a part of that this morning, we're going to sing this song to encourage everyone in the room, wherever they're at spiritually, to take a little bit more of a step towards Jesus today. If there's something that we need to know about, and we would look forward to that as an opportunity, we'll have shared time in just a moment where the microphone will be passed around and you'll have your opportunity to do just that and to know that this body here will be praying for you uh, throughout this week. Uh, whatever you'd like to share or however we can encourage you, we offer that now through the hands and feet of Jesus Christ on this earth as we stand and sing. Good morning. I hope that everyone had a great Christmas. I'm glad that... Uh, Many of you had the opportunity last week to be here, and uh, we were uh, with Whitney's folks uh, during the holiday, and so I got to go back to North Broad Church of Christ, and there were several former ministers there, actually, uh, on Christmas Day, and I remarked to Whitney, I said, I don't know that there are a lot of congregations out there that the former minister can come back with open arms, so uh, that was kind of an interesting thing that uh, they're always, of course, they can't get rid of me, so uh, they're, they're kind of stuck with me. But uh, there were a few guys, none that I actually got to work with, but people I did know and got a good opportunity to fellowship with them and uh, spend time. And maybe you are somewhere else as well. And we're just happy that you've come back to us. And uh, we hope that you consider us home. Um, I, I know that I give myself away when I say Fayetteville. Uh, And and people will be like, this isn't your home, but this right here is home. And uh, we're so thankful to be back and to know that you're always here and that uh, we we have that family that loves us so much. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 again. Matthew chapter 5 as we kind of continue marching through uh, what in my Bible are the words in red uh, that have to do with the Sermon on the Mount and uh, we're going to look at verses 25 through 37 this morning in our time together. Um, you know, the, the thing about Jesus, and I think a lot of people uh, at this time of year is, are looking to Jesus, and we certainly should not shirk uh, that opportunity as the world looks to Him. Uh, but we all have different perspectives of Jesus. We all have maybe our favorite aspect of Of Jesus. And if you're like me, it changes. It may change tomorrow. It may change in the next 10 seconds. Uh, But there are things that we like. And and we can even say this about God's Word, right? There there are verses that we lean on during difficult times. And then there are verses that maybe, just maybe, we don't like very much. And if we were given our uh, option, we might have cut that out. Or maybe we wouldn't have said it there. Maybe we would have said it differently. And I'm certainly not here. To do that to Jesus, right? The last thing I want to do is to uh, tone down what he means. In fact, my goal is to accurately portray what he means. And you can imagine, as we've talked about, the difficulties and the the, the the issues to doing that, since we're about to be in 2024, which is just weird to say. Of course, same thing I felt last year at this time, about 2023. And so just the time frame as we are removed from the context of when this was said is a major hurdle that we should, at the very least, desire to overcome. And so I say all that to say, as I get into this text, I'm not going to be alleviating any of the confusion. Uh, I'm just going to attempt my best to not make it worse, okay? And kind of point out the things that we certainly can agree on, but also things that should challenge us, I think that uh, much of what Jesus says is framed really well if you go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 Where Paul says as far as it depends on you be at peace with everyone And I think that a lot of scripture Not that there isn't a comment to the larger group Most of Paul's writings are comments to a larger group Jesus in this context is talking to a large group of people. So I want you to understand there are people in this crowd who are going to vehemently disagree with what Jesus has to say here. And what Jesus consistently does, because Jesus speaks reality into existence, y'all, right? Like, he speaks the world into existence. And so when he opens his mouth, and they even acknowledge this about Jesus, this man speaks with one who has authority, not relying on someone else's. I'm relying on someone else's authority. I am not authoritative. My opinions are not authoritative. And as much as I try to keep those things out, guess what? They creep in. And so it's up to you as the audience to do some work on your own, right? I don't have all the You don't want me to think I have all the answers, right? We all know people like that. And they're usually people that we don't want to be friends with. It's kind of a turnoff. It kind of puts us off. And so understand that if I come across that way, in no means is that my goal, right? I'm coming to this text to learn just as much as you are. And so I want you to understand that as we get into Matthew chapter 5, I want to make sure we have the context here. If you're like my Bible, there's a little headline back in verse 21, personal relationships. And I think that's a good headline because that word personal is a big deal. If you've not seen The Chosen, where they deal with the Sermon on the Mount, it does a great job of each person, major character, has to then, in the following episodes, goes and deals with something that is going on in their life that Jesus touches on in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? And that's the point. A lot of times we come to the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm not saying here that it can't be something that educates us, because guess what? I'm talking to a group of people. But ultimately what Jesus and the writers of the Bible and God wants us to do is to look at this and go, okay, what does that say about me being at peace with everyone else? What is the best way to have peace with everyone else as long as it depends on me? We all know people who do not want peace. They show up to the party looking for the chaos. I bring chaos with me every Sunday, right? Right? And so we all have baggage and we all come to the text and we all go one way or the other based on how we feel. But I think the thing we can agree on is that Jesus is the market correction, is a term I might use. The market correction. And so he's going to show up and challenge you, whether you fall on the liberal side or the conservative side, he's going to challenge you to get on the righteous side. And it's a personal challenge that you have to ignore or accept. And so when I go to the Scripture and you start reading the Bible, there will be a lot of people in the next couple of days start that annual Bible reading. And so I want you, when you do that, if you choose to do that, to come to it and go, okay, what is God challenging me? He's market correcting in my life. What do I need to fix? And I think generally speaking, as we get into the text... Most of us can agree about how God at least feels about certain things. And maybe there's a target that we're shooting for. You know, sin itself, the word, is to miss the target. And so God is market correcting, but he's also going, okay, this is where this is kind of low and you need to bring it up, and this is kind of high and you need to bring it down, and let's get what it really is. What is the point? So let's get to the text, right? Verse 25, make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. Now it's interesting to me, and of course I believe Jesus knows all things, certainly now at the right hand of God uh, and was privy to information that maybe we didn't have, but This strikes home with me in the context as someone who has come from a split home, right? There's this thing called, uh, you know, child support. And so it's kind of interesting to me that he goes, you will pay the last cent and then moves into this idea of sexual ethics and the marriage relationship and how it should go. And so I don't know that that's on purpose, but it works for us today in 2023, right? Like, as far as it depends on you, make every effort. To make peace. Now, I want you to think about what personal relationship that doesn't work in, at least for you. Once again, when I say that, you can go, well, but so and so. Well, that, I'm not talking about so and so. I'm talking about you. And guess who Jesus is talking about? You. You make every effort, right? What, what do I want to do? Well, James needs to make every effort. James hadn't made all the effort. Or so and -and so's chaotic. Well, what about you? Have you done everything that you can do? And some of us are sitting here in those relationships going, Absolutely, I've done everything. I I lose sleep over it. Right? But that's the answer that we all have to make. Have I done everything that I can do to make peace with this person? And Jesus says, Even on the way to court, keep working, keep trying. Because who sees it? Who knows? Whether that person ever acknowledges it or not, the most important person knows whether you've made every effort to be at peace with that person. And God honors that. I like A's for effort, you know? Now, that doesn't mean I'd have had straight A's. A lot of classes, I'd have had a less grade if it was based on effort. But generally speaking, if you tell me, hey, you're going to get an A for effort on this, man, I'm going to do it. Give the best I can. So, verse twenty-seven. You have heard that it was said, "You shall not commit adultery." But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, you know, we, <laughs> Why does he use he and her here? You know, why does he? Why does he do that? Usually, us fellows were like, "Man, I like it when he uses he and her." You know, he, he sets a. And this one, I look at it and go, "Man, I really wish he wasn't talking about he." But we all know why, right? Right? If we're honest with ourselves, generally speaking, who is it that struggles with lust? Travis Creasy, right? I've, I've admitted that from here. Like, that has been a struggle in my life. And I believe until my dying day, there'll be some level of that. But I submit it to the Lord. And so, what is he doing to a crowd of men and women? I believe he's equaling the playing field here. I think every guy who's honest with themselves hears those words and goes, He's got something to say to me. He is, he's talking to me. And so people go to the text and they go, Oh, the Bible's such a sexist book. I'm like, Well, have you read Matthew chapter 5? Because what is he doing? Hey, you're not supposed to look at them in a certain way. You're supposed to look at them, and when I was growing up, it was, You know, this is someone's daughter, this is someone's wife. And it changes the way you view that relationship. And you start seeing them for what they really are, a daughter of the king. Whether they look at him that way or not, he looks at them that way. And so there's a value that is given there. Like, this is not a possession for you to have. Even if you can't put hands on it, it doesn't mean that you can look at it. Right? I I grew up hearing, I'm not planning on ordering, but I can look at the menu. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begs to differ. And let me tell you, there is no greater sermon that steps on these toes than this one. And every guy in that crowd is going, wait a minute. We're used to kind of getting to do whatever we want to do here. And we get to behave however we want to behave. And Jesus said, no more? No. Because who sees? Who has eyes everywhere? Right? I didn't like that song growing up. The all-seeing eye watching you, and I don't know. There's probably a reason why we don't sing that, it is kind of creepy, but it's true. He knows what's in your heart. And if there's nothing that could convicts us, that should. He knows what's rattling in there. Now, the great thing about it is, he knows what's rattling in there. And he came anyways. There is. And what keeps me plodding along in this life and struggling with the issues that I have, whatever your sin may look like, is that he knew you had all those and there's victory to be found in Jesus. That he sees your struggle. And the difference is is that it's a struggle. It's not me going, well, I'm just going to live how I want to live. That's what he's talking about. No more. No more. Now... We give John the Baptist all kinds of credit for denouncing Herod Antipas, and rightfully so, and he loses his head over it. And we go, well, Jesus doesn't do... Sounds like he's doing a pretty good job right here. Because remember when we first started this study of the Sermon on the Mount, who are we talking about? Well, Jesus names the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, and then he goes, even the Gentiles do these things, Right? And so in a roundabout way, but once again, who's he putting the responsibility on? He doesn't mention Herod. Because Herod has his own problems to deal with. Just like Travis Creasy has his own issues. And there's parts of the Sermon of the Mount I'm like, right on, Lois, right? Like, yeah, amen. And there's part of it like, whoa, okay, well, all right. I I need to deal with that. And more importantly, God. I need to submit that to the throne of God, and let Him have the victory—victory victory in Jesus. Right? That's what He wants. He wants the victory. But you have got to sometimes acknowledge that, right? You know, we talk about election, or well, if you lose, are you going to acknowledge? And are you going to, sustain, you know, are you going to give credit? You're going to acknowledge, right? And, and we do the same thing, right? We sing victory in Jesus, but we don't give Him the victory. We don't submit and go, "You've won." It's yours. I simply submit every bit of me to you and what I look at and what I do and how I behave even behind closed doors. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And there's some temple language here right to a large degree there's only one way to figure out whether or not you are a good jewish boy before you enter into the temple and i won't get into all the details but you probably can follow the breadcrumbs like somebody's got to check to make sure that you are circumcised right before you can and he's saying hey the court right let's follow the language." If you have something wrong with your brother before you enter and make your sacrifice, make it right. If you're lusting, it's better for you to cut off that hand and be able to enter what? Into the presence of God. If it is such a struggle to you, right? Once again, we go, well, what is Jesus telling us? Well, are we supposed to walk around with less eyeballs and less hands or whatever? He said, so if that's what it takes to make sure that you're in a right relationship with God, what are you not willing to sacrifice? Once again, the, the responsibility is on me. I have to make that determination. Some of you, you have no issue hanging out with people who participate in alcohol a bit. Maybe some of you do. right? Some of you come from a background where that's a problem and alcoholism exists and that person has to go, I can't do that. Now what do those two have to say about each other? Well, it shouldn't be nothing, anything, right? As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Once again, there are some people that do things that I can't necessarily look at and go, that's terrible, wrong, and evil, and sinful, and you shouldn't do that. But I can't be around them. I love them. But your life is chaos, and you are the chief stirrer of the chaos. And so we have to limit our time together. you need anything, call me. Can I serve you? Can I be a servant? Absolutely call me. But as far as us spending time together all the time, can't do it because it comes between me and God and nothing else. I will not allow something to do that. That's really what we're talking about. Jesus is saying, don't let your hatred for the Romans, don't let your rebellion against the Pharisees and Sadducees, don't let this marriage relationship don't let any of that stuff come between me and you. That's the level of commitment that I need. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Largely based on Moses, tired of dealing with all these men who wanted divorce, who wanted to do it just flippantly, however they wanted to. She burns the biscuits too much, done. I'm putting her away. And Moses is like, well, it's at least got to be recognized by the community. You can't just put her away for whatever reason. And so you say, at least give her a right. And so what is Moses doing? I'm at least meeting you halfway so that they're not left destitute. Because that's what would happen. They couldn't defend themselves, couldn't provide for themselves to a large degree. And so what does Jesus come along and do? Market correction. <laughs> Market correction. But I say to you that everyone who divorces wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Is God's desire for our relationship to end in divorce, to be divided? I think we can all say, even those of us that have experienced it, can say, no, of course God wants us to remain in fellowship with one another. That's the easy answer, right? Can we all get on that page? Like... I think, you go ask my mom, she's divorced. And she'll straight up tell you, like, no, we didn't get into that relationship for it to ever end. It's not the goal. Even people who don't believe, right? Most of them will say, well, no, we didn't plan on that. And it's certainly not God's desire for that to happen. But there's also this idea of, I've done everything I can to make peace, and this person will not accept it. And whatever unfaithfulness looks like, we can get into the weeds and the details and we can be here all day. But none of you want to do that. But it's a market correction. You just can't get rid of people because your use for them is no longer viable. And I think we can all get on that page. I can't just make up whatever reason I want to be done with you. Sounds a lot like our church decisions, right? Oh! Can't see eye to eye with you. i just go down here down the road. Tired of this. Right? It's too much. Once again, it depends on peace on you. Some people aren't going to be peaceful. And sometimes you have to say, I've done everything I can. And they just won't accept peace. Then yes, that may be an option. But I think a lot of times we've not exhausted. It just becomes something that, well, I don't like that part or that part. And so on we go. And Jesus is talking, your commitment to me is shown by your commitment to one another. And if you can't be committed to that one person that really annoys you a whole lot just because they're annoying, you're going to have a hard time dealing with my spirit when it shows up and says, you got to give that up. You're going to have a hard time submitting to me and my will. Because loving other people Oftentimes, where they are is a part is a package deal with loving Jesus and following him. again, you 've heard that ancients were told you shall not make false vows, right? I mean this all flows together don 't say you 're going to do something, and then don't. What is the epitome of being unfaithful? oh i 'll do that, and then not doing it. How many times do we see in Scripture where the people of God go, "Yes, God." We're with you. And even in the text, sometimes God goes, I know you're not. But that doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change the fact that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. There are things at work, right? Where you've made a commitment, this is the job I'm going to do. And everybody else around you is not doing their job. And it is very tempting to go, They're not doing what they're supposed to do and I'm tired of doing what I'm going to do and so I'm going to join them? Jesus said, no. You do what you say you're going to do. Your yes be yes. Your no be no. And you know what? You'll be different from everyone else. Even the Gentiles love those who love them. We won't even get to that text today. So how are you different It's the mindset. It's the growth mentality, right? It's the growth mentality. Do we have it? Do I love people enough to love them where they are, but love them enough not to leave them there and to press on to be the example? And Jesus says, that's how you bring people to know me, right? May I be a sacrifice so that people will see you. What a great song. Sing it again, Josh. Don't let it go. Keep singing that song. It's a great prayer for us to have. Again, you have heard, ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven for its throne of God, or by his earth for the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Amen, right? Uh, This is obvious, I guess, before hair dye. Um, Or as they call it for men, camouflage. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond this is what? It's a pretty strong word there. Of evil. Of evil. If people see you and go... That person, as far as it depends on them, maybe the word quicker word of saying it, they're dependable. We know what we're going to get when Sandy Bradford shows up, right? We're going to get a tremendous amount of effort. She's going to do the best she can with what she's got. And 90% of the time, because she's a believer in God, she submitted her abilities to him because he gave it to her anyways she's going to get the job done and if not she's going to be found trying with everything she's got and I think everybody that knows her knows that's how that works right and she'll drag the rest of us kicking and screaming right which is great I need that I want to there's a part of me deep down that wants to be around that person and there's a large part of me that goes oh that's uncomfortable you know what Jesus is A lot of times, and certainly in this sermon, uncomfortable. Can you imagine the squirming in this crowd? Like, ooh. So if you're squirming a little bit where you're at, welcome to the party. Because I'm up here squirming a whole lot. Like, man, I want to be accurate on what I'm saying. I want to present the information the way Jesus would want me to do that in a loving way, but also that challenges you. And what I've come to understand, the people who love me the most are the ones who challenge me the most, who see something in me that I don't see in myself and go, oh, you can do this. And if you can't, I'm there with you, pushing you, getting you across the finish line. And there is nobody like Jesus at that. He's going to get you across the finish line. He's the one who starts the race. He's the one that runs beside you, right? He's the one who who picks you up. He's the one who drags you. He's the one at the finish line going, you got this, you can do this. I'm there with you. I'm the engine behind it. And so today as we get ready to go into 2024, maybe you're sitting there going, man, I can't believe we're here. Or maybe you're like, 2023 was the best year ever. I cannot wait. I want to keep the momentum going. The most surefire way to do that is submit your life to Jesus. Or maybe you're sitting there going, 2023 was the worst. I cannot wait. At midnight tonight, I'm going to party like it's 1999. You know? Maybe it's like, I just, but I got to have something, a change. The greatest change you can do is a daily change where you get up and say, I submit today. I submit New Year's Eve 2023, whatever it is to the Lord of my life, Jesus Christ. And maybe that's the simple prayer that you say every day. Or maybe you've not submitted your life to him at all. Can I plead with you to do that? That you may be in the midst of some of these circumstances and you just feel like, man, I've done everything I can. It's just my whole life is out of control. If you've not given your life to Jesus, you've not done everything you can. You've not made the greatest decision that we get to make, and that's, I use that language on, we get to make that decision. It's, it's a blessing. It's a gift. It's such an awesome, wonderful thing. And if you're in the middle of one of these situations you don't want to do, look to Jesus. It's the best thing to do. If there's some way that we can assist you, maybe you're in this circumstance and, and you need somebody to come alongside you. There are people here who've experienced it, who've lived it, who've had all those heartbreaks. And they know what it's like to trust in Jesus to get them through. Let them come beside, come beside you. But we're not mind readers around here. I'm not, anyway. As you can ask Whitney, I'm not. We need you to say, hey, I, I need some help in this area. And I know that takes trust to do that. But that's really what faith is, is a trust in God. There's something we can do to assist you, to encourage you, to strengthen Your faith in God, as the man said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. If there's something we can do, there's no greater thing to be the hands and feet of Jesus to help strengthen the belief of someone else. And so we look forward to that opportunity. We're going to sing this song as our tradition is to encourage you wherever you're at. If you want to come forward, that's great. We've got some seats up here, uh, and Rick will come and assist you and and sit with you and, and show some love towards you because that's the first thing we want to do. Or maybe you just want to wait till we pass the microphone and give everybody an opportunity to share. Whatever that looks like for you, don't suffer alone. Don't suffer. You don't have to. Because Jesus is the great healer, physician, and we want to be him today for you. If there's something we can do to help you, we encourage you to make that known to us today. And we'll do that as we stand and sing.